All right, everybody, you are either watching or listening to MLO. I'm your boy, Addy Net, and of course, I got my main man, Casey Carpenter. I just, I just realized I did that the opposite, because normally I say the name. Yeah, you know. But I think I just... We like to switch it up on you guys every now and make sure you're paying attention. Just jumped into the pool right there. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Hey, real quick, before we get into stuff, football season, baby. Yeah. Yeah, big news out there, though, you know. So I'm a Packers fan, so there's all that drama with Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, you know, Casey loves his Raiders. We both both got wins week one. We did. I was trying to come up with a way to intertwine the whole Rodgers injury with a real estate and mortgage joke, but I haven't. It might be too soon. Yeah. Yeah, it might be too soon. (laughs) It might be too soon. (laughs) Four Jets fans. At least they got the win Hey, still got a defense over there. Well, you know, the one thing is, man, they should have negotiated Rodgers' contract much different. The Packers are actually getting downgraded in return from a first-round pick on that trade to a second round because he won't be fulfilling the minimum 65% of games year one. That was in the fine print. Oh, wow. And this is how I'm transitioning it because our subject today is about the negotiation process. (laughs) Nice. I got it. I got it. I connected that. (laughs) But in all seriousness, though, this year, the negotiation process in real estate is much different. So going back in the time machine to 2020, chugga, 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 Super competitive market. We've said that a million times during the pandemic. Low rates. There really wasn't much negotiating it was more of like an ebay buy it now and over what i'm asking highest bidder wins right casey Uh, yeah that's a good point too because it really was it we're in a different market now that actually we haven't seen in in a minute and this is important guys you're gonna want to hang in there and listen we're not just joking around i know that was a a funny intro with football we don't usually do that but this is like we get this all the time hey carp you know what's going on in the market right now and yeah. people don't talk about that. Like, I think agents, and I just cut you off, sorry. No, but good. I think a, a lot of agents are just like, oh, you know, it's a buyer's market. We have a good opportunity. But really, we're going to go into the details of what are these opportunities and how is it totally different. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, back to you. so, you know, when we're in the low rate market, right? Lower rates, everybody can qualify for more. I mean, very simple. We're seeing the reverse right now. Higher rates, you don't qualify as much, right? Mm-hmm. But when everybody can qualify or now they can qualify for that 500 house and mm-hmm. stuff like that, um, it just it, there's more buyers in the market, more activity. Mm-hmm. So now more people are submitting offers on those homes. You had more aggressive you know, aggressive offer here with now that person behind you comes in with 15 grand higher aggressive yeah kind of that frenzy the bidding just war stacks because stacks. as we talked about too still you have an inventory shortage in this country mm-hmm. so you know if there's only a couple houses and 40 buyers for those couple houses they're gonna flood it that was a diff that was that market where truthfully there just wasn't negotiations we were seeing it mm-hmm. was try to get your offer in quick can you put in the best offer? What's your best foot forward? Because we got 10 other offers that we're as reviewing. Is. As is. Are you going over 50, 100? What are we doing? Yeah. There was a lot of that going on to where there just wasn't any play from a buyer's side. You didn't have wiggle room, negotiation. It kind of was what it was, right? Yep. Couldn't be contingent. Couldn't be contingent. Mm-hmm. All these things. And yeah. then now, I think it's important to review these major milestones Go that on. There weren't any milestones. 100%. So now you're in a higher rate market, for sure. We have spoken about that a lot. 
means there's less buyers out there. There's less offers getting put on those homes that are on the market. That does open the door to a seller going, well, I want to still sell my house. You know, I'm still in the market to sell. How do we do that? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe let's entertain um, a lower price. Mm -hmm. Maybe let's offer seller credits to a client. Mm -hmm. Maybe let's fix some things. The sellers are now opening their minds up and opening that door to a buyer in negotiations. Yep. And now and the, it could be all types of stuff. Yep. And Addy's got, Addy's got seen some, you know, things happen too, which works out. But it's a market right now where people are saying, yeah, it might not be that right time to buy because the higher market, but you have to think about it. This could be the perfect time for you to get in and mm -hmm. negotiate what you need to make that house work for you. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's repairs. Maybe it's a small remodel. Maybe it's just having your closing costs paid for. Mm -hmm. But you're just seeing these things happen where we haven't seen these. And in my personal experience, I feel like the last time we saw this maybe type of market was like 2018, maybe. Oh, yeah. You absolutely. know, so you're talking five years or so. We've, you know, for it to really be a buyer's open negotiation. And it's just because homes are not selling quickly. They're not selling for overpricing. The mm -hmm. listing agents aren't selling their house in, in a week. All that stuff has slowed down. So they are still wanting to sell, opening that door for the buyer to kind of give them their needs and wants and trying to match that to get that house sold for them. Yeah, absolutely. And just to jump on what you said there, I always like to tell people first and foremost, the perfect house, perfect location, perfect school district, regardless of interest rates, there's always a demand for perfect. So if you're sending that home and say, Oh, this is my chance to get this. And you're like the pickiest home buyer you've ever met and be honest with yourself, right? Yes. You're not going to get, all these concessions that we're going to chat through because there's just those demand perfect location perfect uh median price square footage and a great school district those are going to go yeah. right those are going to go but for all the other remaining inventory to casey's point there i am sensing <clears throat> excuse me i am sensing that the sellers are being prepped at least by their selling agent to at least expect a $10,000 concession and concession is a credit toward your closing costs or a reduction in the sales price. That's kind of like, that's common knowledge yeah. right now on the sell side. So, and kind of calming the waters as they're going in. It's not like, well, why are they asking me for money? Most of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, also, one thing to know, say there's two offers on a home, right? And if you have the financial capacity not to request that $10,000 and you're going up against another offer, which is asking for any sort of concessions, you are instantly offer number one. So that is a really good strategy, right? Like, make sure you have enough money to cover all your closing costs. But we don't want to disregard those first-time homebuyers who are really cash-strapped, want to save every penny. That's an opportunity for you to get into something and get these closing yep. costs covered. Because the cost of these has, we've talked about it, has really increased. You know, yeah. you have a combination of right now, at least in the Portland market, you're paying 13, 14 months of property taxes upfront. That's a bucket included in your closing costs. So when you own a home, you, I like to simplify it. It can be very complicated depending on who you talk to. You're advanced paying these property taxes. And then when you own the home, a little sliver of your monthly payment goes into this for savings account or an escrow account to pay the annual property tax statement. Yep, yep. So right now that is a big chunk. We're talking six, seven, eight thousand yep. dollars just in the tax portion. 
then you have the lender and the title and the escrow, a whole nother bucket. You're yep. talking four to five K right there. Then the notorious rate conversation <laughs> where you should expect to pay around a percentage of the amount borrowed 1% in discount points. That is very common right now. Mm -hmm. So that we get to 10, 15, 16, 17 K and closing costs real quick. Right, yeah. Casey? Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. It's the way the market has, has turned and, and you're, you've seen closing costs go up about a third, you know, of what they were. So, you know, if closing costs were like 10 grand, you know, the last few years, they're more like 15 grand now. And that's yep. just, that's just kind of where the market is. A lot of that is with, you know, points being put on rates, lenders with less activity. I mean, dollars still got to be made somewhere too. So then, you know, the thing is with it, that's why you want to talk with your advisors because sometimes too, like me and Addy will go through it. It doesn't make sense sometimes to just pay a bunch of money to buy the rate down to have that lower rate. You know, there is some break even, some cost savings there that you definitely want to talk to your advisor about because you just don't want to just buy points to buy points, right? right, right but right. but that is a reality out there. The closing costs are higher. It is nice to see that sellers are getting prepped on that, or at least that's what it feels like with negotiations, because we are seeing, I mean, at least at least two out of three transactions right now have seller credits on it. It feels like anyway. Oh yeah. At least. At least. At and least. That, that's huge. Cause right now, honestly, costs are higher in all forms, like we've said. Grocery shopping, whatever you're doing, mortgages, all that stuff, it's higher with the inflation. So for a seller to be able to you know, take some of that cost or burden some of that cost from the buyer to help them get their house sold and help that buyer get into their home. I think mm -hmm. it's a beautiful thing, right? Because the money isn't abundance out there for everybody. So sure. buyers might be strapped with X amount of dollars. And if that seller is willing to then, you know, give some closing costs that help that whole deal come together, the negotiation, that open door window, mm -hmm. it's a win-win for everybody. Person selling their house, person's buying their house. Yeah, and that's the the hype right now um, from a sales point to intrigue people to purchase is the minute, you know, interest rates even lower, the competition is going to ramp up. So that opportunity that's of negotiating point. those that's closing costs are going to disappear over time. So it is a ch it is challenging if you're on the sidelines, say you're renting right now, and you're like, do we do it or not? You're like figuring out if you want to go through the windmill and a lot of the a lot of people just defer to like oh i'm not going to make a move now i think if you already own your home you're likely <clears throat> really happy with your current interest rate and your payment if you're renting at least do a console with someone like myself or casey and run the numbers and figure out the credit the budgeting um that should be the basis we were talking about this before we started like mm. that should be the basis if you're in your mid-20s like Dude, figure out a way to own your home and get roommates in there, whatever you got to do, because that's the longevity of financial freedom or flexibility, whatever you want to call it. Not trying to be cliche. Yeah, but still but own your home first um, and run those numbers with someone and at least figure out a plan to get right on track. You know, another big tip. And I don't want to get too far well, off. with that, too. I mean, like your your point, they're in their 20s. Most of the time they're living with roommates anyway. Yeah. Right. They're already going to have two, three, four roommates. Make it happen. So make it happen. If if you're that person and um, you have some money set up or even maybe it's a conversation to have with the family, you know, maybe their mom and dad are ready to help you out a little bit or invest. But you can still keep that same philosophy. Oh, I still want to live with my boys or whatever, you know, yeah, like yeah. do it. But buy the house. 
and then they're going to help you pay that mortgage. So Yeah, and if you're comfortable with a hammer in your hand and like DIY projects, it's a great time to pick up a distressed property, meaning like one that maybe had been a rental for five, ten years and everything kind of needs updated. Those are sitting right now because the person that isn't hammer ready is looking at that like, I don't want all this work, and they feel like they've got all the power, right? Yeah. But if you do want to put in sweat equity, we just had a client, first-time home buyer, really did a great job like they were super patient they knew this property was overlisted from a price standpoint it was an emotional number the sellers put out you can just tell yeah you know and they were able to work down that price and demonstrate to the sellers with their agent um hey these are the comparable homes plus this is not in great shape so they ended up getting about forty thousand dollars off the ticket price i'm going to call it the sales price um and then get some seller credits paid for and now they've got a huge project in front of them but it's their dream right? yeah and they're not going anywhere fast and they love the project so that's a golden opportunity for a renter that has these skills or even family members that could help out and they could do it over time very 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 big but let's go to the and, and you're seeing them out there like i think this week i saw last two weeks i saw like Two or three distressed yeah. properties needed some work, but they're all like they were like three fifty. Yeah, like ranch style in, in Beaverton. I was like, dude, one of them was right next to Nike. I'm like that. Well, and a lot of it too is because like opportunities. Investors want to offload those properties because they're done. They don't want to be. Yeah. Yeah, they, they don't they, want to be landlords anymore. Yeah, they held it for 15 years, whatever. Yeah. So in a slower market, they're not going to be able to pump and dump it, meaning they can't put $30,000 in lipstick to crap. Yeah. They don't want to freshen that up because there's uncertainty in what it would sell for. And then they could be caught with their pants between their ankles. Totally. And be like, oh, crud, I put all this money in. In that, that market, like it. we've talked about higher costs, like no one really wants to go dump big chunks of liquid assets out of like their check-ins and savings right. and stuff like that you know that 30 grand could be very useful in a few months if you know business isn't going right or what so it there's that thing it. where yeah people are trying to keep their money tight so that was a long run on the first step let's go to the second step of negotiating so after you have an accepted offer right you typically have something called an inspection period yeah. so that's going to be the timeline of that is going to be negotiated by your buyer's agent but it typically runs between five to ten days that is your opportunity to hire a third party inspector. It's good for first time home buyers to know that this is about an eight to $950 cost, depending on what, how in depth it is. But this person is an expert that goes in and looks under the hood, right, Casey? Absolutely. I, I was gonna refer to as this is the DNA of the home. Right, yeah, no, that's good. They're, they're pulling back everything. They're looking at the motherboard, the engine. <laughs> yeah. But they're gonna go through, like they're gonna inspect the foundation, the integrity. They're gonna of, go to the places you're not gonna go. Yeah. You're the, not going under the house all the way to that far corner. The creepy crawler. Who knows what was in there and you hear it scuffling around behind you. Was that a rat or a raccoon? Who knows? Hopefully it's nothing, but that's what they're going to look at. Foundation, uh, attic, right? They're going to go up in that basement, attic. Roof, exterior, interior, appliances, electrical, plumbing. Like they're looking for any dry rot, any leaks, any safety issues, yep. any outdated hazardous situations. Like it's super common in the Portland area to have the outdated electrical from those 40, 50, 60 homes. A look at all that the breaker the water heater and they're going to give you a wrap list of things that are good or not good 
But this is really important because remember back when we were on the time machine in 2020, 2021, people were buying as is. Now it is open kimono. Yep. You know, sure. it's like, show me everything. And you have another opportunity with your buyer's agent to negotiate repairs. So you can go back and be like, hey, we need all these things fixed. And sometimes instead of mandate having the sellers fix them prior to closing, which can kind of be stressful and delay the process of completing the transaction, they will then in return, the sellers to the buyers, give you the um, repair as a credit. Meaning like, yep. hey, I'm gonna give you, say, your total repairs you're requesting are valued at $5,000. I'm just gonna give you a $5,000 credit, which you can then use toward your closing costs that we just ranted yep. about. Yep. So this Save is- Save you the five grand yep. right up front, and then you can use that five grand to do those repairs yep. out down the road. And as long as it's not like a huge safety hazard, most people go that way. There are some things that like good agents will not let you take a credit in return for major stuff, such as like a broken sewer scope. Yeah. Like you or roof. Sewer. Yeah, roof, sewer. Roof's a big one and that's kind of open, but real safety stuff or repairs of which are of huge issues. Yeah. A lot of the times a good agent's going to protect you and have that get done prior to even closing. Prior to closing. Yeah. But this is a big thing. Like, and this is where like, you know, and there's all sorts of experienced and unexperienced people in this industry, but I think unexperienced agents could kind of get away with it when people are just buying homes as is. But now it really comes down to the nitty gritty of what a good agent can negotiate for you because they have to a play nice in the sandbox. So hopefully on that first milestone, they were like, great. And there was a little bit of a rapport, but then that, that is like uncomfortable for a lot of people is like going to the sellers with bad news. You got to have a good agent that's willing to just be like, Hey, this is what we need. And then as a buyer, you got to be able to play chicken. Mm. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Because when you do counter your, your subject to termination, like mm -hmm. they could always say, they no. can always say, they can always say, no, hey, thanks. No, no problem. You've reopened up the negotiation process by presenting us this addendum and we can switch and we can be done. But the sellers right now are feel fearful of going back onto market mm -hmm. because that the general pop puts an asterisk on a realist. Yeah. And, and, and you guys can see it. We, we can all see it as a consumer. If that house was on the market and then relisted you go through like a sales history, even if you're just on your Redfin or Zillow sites or something, it, it shows you, you know, so you can see that house is pulled off the market in April. Now it's back on in September. Like, well, what happened there? Yeah. Um, and there's a theory too, to like a possibility of maybe having to lower their list price when relisting and they don't want to, you know, come in, do that. you know, and so sometimes it's just, you know, I think the rule of thumb and we are not real estate agents by any means, but I think the rule of thumb is if you're not selling it, you know, you do a 5% sales price reduction. Well, on average, let's just say that's 20 grand. A seller would be much happier to give you 10 grand closing costs than reduce their price. 20 grand. When you got it. And I always try to be, I always try to remember or remind my clients that the sellers are humans too. Like they have a loan balance. It's you that in they, the future. 
<laughs> right. But also, like, I think you become a little, especially in this market on the buy side, you kind of feel immortal, like, oh, and entitled might be the better. Like, I'm buying this. No one else is buying in these interest rates and all that stuff. But, yeah. dude, check your heart for a second, too. These sellers as well have to pay off their loan that they owe. So it's not just, like, monopoly money that you're taking from them. And I think we as buyers kind of slip into that attitude a little bit and you got to be understanding that like look this is a person and a family humans that need to pay off their loan and they're often just it might be a situation for them where they just want to break even you know in oregon they pay both sides of the the commission the selling agent and the buyer commission yeah. which is five to six percent mm -hmm. whatever they that's a lot of freaking money that's a lot of money that is a t that's 30 40 50 60 grand depending on the sales price mm -hmm. that they've already lost and they haven't sold it yet then you're going to ream them for another 10 before inspection then you're going to ream them for repairs that money like they can be 50 to 100 grand off their profit and they're probably communicating with their lender hey what do i need to do to break even on this what do i need to do to have enough down payment to get into another home so i i understand you know i it's always my job to like support our clients and i'm obviously yeah. that's my first priority but i kind of i gently remind people like hey <laughs> these people are humans too the sellers are humans too <laughs> and eventually you will probably be the seller true like True. you're gonna buy now as a buyer, but guess what happens two, four, five, eight, ten, twenty years from now? Yeah, you might sell that home and be the seller. <laughs> well, I think that's where like a lot of just like right now with the the pace of it being a little slower, working with good lenders and good agents that know how to communicate. Mm -hmm. Like we're doing significantly less business, like one third from the hype business. So I still am working almost the same amount of hours because of the communication process. So even on the lending side with an as is overbid, it's like, okay, it's good. Lock, like it's just, you you push it down the river. Now it's like every 48 hours, like I'm checking in with the selling agent. Hey, this is where we're at. This is what we need to do. And all these checklists and having a team that's constantly communicating with the seller the buyer's agent and the lender is critical to just to keep everyone in good spirits and everybody on the same page and not be blindsided it makes a really big difference right now yeah absolutely really really big difference are you ready for the third point yeah hit me so this is the last piece to where there would potentially be a negotiation opportunity and that's the appraisal process. Ooh, nice. So most of the time you, if you're doing less than 20% down payment, the, you're going to be required to do an appraisal. The lender will order it. It's third party. Um, so the, the value can't be influenced. But one thing to know is say you buy a home for 500 grand the appraiser goes out there and the determined value is 490 10 grand under this is a seller's worst nightmare right now mm -hmm. this reopens negotiation guys so option number one seller's like oh well shoots my goots i just lost <laughs> 10 grand we're moving on and that sales price gets reduced and lucky buyers right yep. lucky buyer uh we call that coming in ten thousand low. Ten thousand low. The next piece to it, the seller could be like, "Nope, they can terminate." Yeah, they can. They can terminate, Absolutely and can they could away. demand 
the buyers to pay that yield spread, that $10,000 difference on the, as a total other line item. Yep. Or you could meet in the middle where it might be like, great, we'll, we'll pay for five grand of it. And the sellers will take five grand of the profit and we'll, we'll be okay. But it's a break even. Yep. Meet in the middle. This is huge guys. Most time buyers, like we haven't seen this in many years where the buyers are hoping for a low appraisal to have this opportunity. Yeah. It is. Then this is where it goes back to picking a very good buyer agent. Cause that is going to be a negotiation. That is going to be a very, very big negotiation. So that's, but that's a good point too, because you need to know and have that conversation up front because if you don't have that extra money, let's just say you're strapped mm-hmm. and that 10, you know, let's say it comes in $10,000 low and those sellers are holding strong. And want you to cover that 10. If you don't have that 10, we're probably not making that deal come together Yeah, because that seller is going to hold strong. Now, obviously we, me and the agent, we do our best to say, Hey, can, you know, we'd still like this house. Maybe, maybe we can get the sellers to give, yeah. but if they hold strong and you don't have the cash, the deal's probably not coming together. Yeah. And that's where like, it's tough right now too, I think for selling agents, not that we work on that side. Right. So the selling agent should communicate this with what's called comps or comparable. Yeah. Comparable sales and be like, look, this is what's sold in the last six months. There's still a lot of homeowners out there that need to sell or want to sell. And they're referencing more than a year ago. It's like, that's not a reasonable comp. No. When interest rates are at 4%, there was a lot more demand. So things were moving. Different market. You can't just cherry pick the best comps in the last decade and to justify the value. And a good selling agent is going to be honest. Be like, I totally understand why you think your home or you know, how you came up with this value in your head of 525 when it's really 500. But let me show you and educate you on the process of how it's determined. Yeah. And the banks have these this process set up to prevent lending on inflated, unaccurate, <laughs> inaccurate oh, values. So that's a big one. And then there are sellers still from time to time that will want if you overbid on a home they're going to want you to commit to an appraisal gap because if you go way over just to win Mm -hmm. you're like oh man there's three offers on this i'm going to go 10 grand over there are like it's one in a hundred but they will commit to an appraisal gap or request one because they know and that's when you know you're working with a good selling agent. They know it's yeah. they know it's not going to comp out. Yep. Now the big piece too, I've seen what's called an appraisal waiver. Mm-hmm. So that's this might be a good thing to just quickly brush here because yeah. you hear that. Oh, well, my lender didn't make me do an appraisal. I love it when I hear stuff like that where it's like they didn't make me do. It's literally a button you press, and the automated underwriting system says if it's if it needs one or not, guys. It's like a risk adverse system that's looking at this, you know, more down payment, good credit score. Yeah. It's, and you know. it's good. It is looking at median sales price for that zip code, yep. recent comps, yep. and trends. And it well, only happens if you have 20% down or more. That yeah. is really, really important to know. Cause if you are less than 20%, you have mortgage insurance and the insurance requires an appraisal. Like that's how it goes down. hundred percent. So don't fall for the and Jimmy next door. My lender doesn't, re- doesn't, require. doesn't require appraisals or like, I like when my agents ask me, can you get them? Can you, can you get no appraisal on this? <laughs> and then I explain. Yeah. What we just explained. Like you're asking them. the chef to hook yeah, you up like, with hey, extra, uh, chi- extra guys, protein. <laughs> we're just going to pass on the appraisal on this side. It's good. Don't worry. Just take my word for it. 
And that's how 2008 happens. So they're not doing that anymore. You're running it through a system. It's automated, risk averse. If you put a down payment down, it's larger, 20% or larger, good credit score. There's a good chance you might not need appraisal. But we'll never know until you're in contract and we run your system. And there are some people who say like, oh, well, I can find out if you need an appraisal or not. And what they're actually doing is non-compliant. They're triggering the loan, meaning they're like pretending in their loan system that you have a live file and then running the automated underwriting system. And if you don't get the home, they actually have to cancel your transaction and start a new one. Yep. You're not supposed to do that. Big gray area. Big gray area. <laughs> I'm gonna get a message. Big gray lines. area. But those are the three buckets right now. I, I really, really hope that helps and i do we have time to go into new construction for a qu quick minute yeah because sure. i think this is really important you're seeing like one-third of transactions nationally are new builds right mm -hmm. now. so the builders it's such a different dynamic too because you'll see a builder be like oh, we'll give you this promotion or 20 grand in credits and all this stuff first thing to know often a lot of builders um if they're saying that you need to use this particular lender in order to get this credit, you cannot do that. You have the right to be represented by a lender of which isn't associated with the builder and it's in your best interest to do so. I remind people that. The analogy I give is like, oh, well, if someone was suing you, would you hire the same lawyer of the person that's suing you? No. So you wouldn't not hire the builder to be the Probably person not. representing you on the underwriting and the lending. So it gets confusing because what a lot of builders will do is like, say they have a home, we're using 500 today as an example. Say they can't sell it at 500, then they reduce to 475, still can't sell it. Then they reduce to 450. Oh, crap, I can't go any lower. I'm going to start losing money in this house. Well, there's still like, profit margin in the financing so they might be like well i can take a hit on the loss there i'll give them credits toward that so it's snowballs summarization of the new build have your local lender on your side and helping you a good local lender will be like look i'm gonna do everything in my best interest no pun intended to get you the same terms that the builder can offer because you really really do want a separated person representing you yeah i mean the analogy is yeah i mean you're gonna divorce the lawyer you, yeah you're gonna use the same lawyer i mean at the end of the day um you know me and Addie work with a lot of builders too so this is, yeah. it's not a builder bash it's just this is the way that this is structured and clients don't quite understand that is that builder owns a building company he's a developer he's a builder in most cases got the product right then he's also usually has agents either that work for them specifically, or he's brought in a company, you know, real estate firm. But then that might even be put as like a flat charge. This isn't right. gonna be your normal two, five to 6%. Like we were saying, mm -hmm. those agents might be making a flat salary or, you know, 1%. So now we got like 4% being saved on the agent side. And now we're gonna also have our own lending company with in-house. So we're gonna make the money on the sale of the house. We're gonna make the money on the agent side and we're gonna make the money on the financing side. We're gonna make money everywhere. And if we need to cut places somewhere, we can. We need to make a cheaper financing for you, we will. But we might gain that back on the sales price or we might gain that back with our agent um, fees. So you want people on your side because you're putting all your eggs in the basket on someone that's selling you a product from three different areas. Mm -hmm. You're getting it from three different areas. And now you're putting all your faith in there saying that this person is looking out for my best interest. Mm -hmm. I believe they're looking out for their business best interest. Yeah. 
So you need yeah. to understand that and you need to have the local person, yeah. Addy or myself, at least walk you through that, explain that to you, try to match those terms. It's going to get hard out there. They will give very, very aggressive terms. Me and Addy lose a lot of deals to that all the time. But at least we've had the conversation with the client and then you are aware that you are putting all your eggs in the basket. And if that's the way you want to roll, yeah. roll the dice. Well, and to add to your point too, it's even more important to use an independent real estate agent yes. on the buy side. Yes. Because a lot of times you show up to these like, you know, the Open Truman house. Show freaking PUD developments yeah, and they're like, hey, my name's Samantha, <laughs> sign sign this clipboard and they don't read the clipboard and they're, you're instantly signing that and committing to being represented by the builder's agent. So now you're not being protected through inspections anymore. And this is key guys. One example was we had a client buying a new build, I'm the lender, one of my good uh, agents, Heather, is the buyer's agent. Thank God separated from the builder, right? Four days before close, walk in to do a final walkthrough, and the builder put in the wrong cabinets. Wasn't the same color. Wasn't the same layout. And they were like, no, we're not going to fix it. This is, this is what we were told to do. But that agent, Heather, grinded them and said, no, we're not closing and refusing to move forward and did all the paperwork and got it fixed. Do you think the builder's assistant would have done that for you? No, no. they would have tiptoed around him and we'll give you a free welcome mat and maybe throw in a, yeah. you know, th a, a 180 degree sprinkler and we're going to call it good. Yeah. No, like th these things happen. And they are working for the builder. Yeah. They're not going to point out issues on the stairs. Like it's or, very straightforward. You know, uneven flooring or poorly laid concrete slabs yeah. or unfinished work. They're going to breeze through it potentially with a blindfold on and be like, looks great, guys. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> now, I mean, again, we're not saying as a we're builder bashing because we work with a lot of builders and there's a lot of very good quality builders out there. Absolutely. If you are going to go with a new build or new construction, I highly recommend you work with a local builder right. and not a national large builder. Local builders are very good at what they do. They do take care of their clients because they're building on a much smaller scale. They might be yeah. building a 10, 20, 50, you know, neighborhood, size neighborhood units. Um, where national builders building in the hundreds, sometimes the 500, sometimes the thousands. Yeah. So... If you're going that route, I highly adv advise local builders because I feel like they will take care of you uh, better than a national builder. It's so true. I love that you brought that up. I, yeah. I mean, that's that's such a good point. And, and they're trying to build out their communities that they live in. They're not coming, a, you know, not a conglomerate like a locust sweeping the storm coming across the country, you know, just houses and houses and totally. houses. That builder usually is building in the neighborhood that they grew up in, yeah. the community that they grew up in. They're invested into Reputation the schools. On the yeah. You'll see their names on the benches, banners at the baseball totally. games. Like, games. They are your Soccer. local builders. That's the way to go on new construction for sure. I'm also a fan. This doesn't have anything to do with the negotiation process, though. If you're buying a new construction, in my opinion, Ask which homes got built first in that community and try to buy one of the newer ones that were completed. Because imagine, like, it's like an assembly line, you know. The more they've had to build, I think the attention to detail decreases. It's like anything. Like, oh. if I'm folding laundry, uh, my first couple of things, I'm folding them crisp and nice. And then I get down to, like, oh, I don't even know if these socks match, you know. <laughs> so, like, be mindful of that. I think that's an easy trick. Totally, or totally. Tip, sorry. And, and um, 
you know, you want to look at it too because some uh, usually like the model homes, one of the last home to sell in a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Now, but that model home's been up for years and has had several trafficking feet through that thing. Now they're always going to go through and do a touch up. And usually, sure. model home gets the upgrades and stuff to show it all off. So there's a win win in there. But a lot of people don't understand like you buying the last home in the neighborhood that was the first home actually built and has been there from day one with all that traffic. Right, right. That's a good point too. Well, I'm glad we took a little bit of time to do the new construction yeah. stuff because that is a big deal right now. It's a lot of scenarios that we deal with and review all the time. And, um, you know, we're not a huge call to action people, but if you've made it this far in the episode, number one, thank you and congratulations. Number two, hit us up. We yeah. want to know who you are. We want to help you out. Our information and contact details are in the show notes. Um, but yeah, that's a wrap, guys. And until next time, catch, catch you, you later. later. <laughs> <laughs> we <We're> fucking it. <laughs> <laughs>